Good morning. Happy that you have joined us on this Easter Sunday. Excited if you're in the building. Happy to have you uh, if you're joining us online. In the book of Luke, chapter 24, we see the story that happened almost 2,000 years ago now. It tells of Mary Magdalene and some of the other ladies getting up early on the first day of the week, headed to the tomb of our Savior. And when they arrived, distraught, because the stone had been rolled away, and rushing into the tomb to see what had happened, they're greeted by an angel who asks this very applicable question today. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Is, is God asking us that question still today? What is it that's distracting us? What is it that's, that's preventing us from being wholly, totally committed to Him? And what I want you to hear on, on, on this Sunday morning is the suffering of Friday is through. The veil was torn in two. The silence of Saturday is done. Our Savior had victory over death. Today, we are here to rejoice. Today, we are here because our resurrected King is here. Luke 24, verse 6, the angel continued, He is not here. He is risen. Let's stand and sing praises to Him this morning. Oh, 
Jesus, when I met you, you called my name, and I ran out of that grave, out of the darkness, into your glorious day, you called my
Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being a God who is bigger than death, for giving us hope and life and love. And I just pray these next few minutes, you will be honored. And I pray that we can just take this time to set our minds on you and to set our hearts on you. And that the words that we sing and, and the thoughts that we have would be pleasing to you, Lord. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Good morning. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Happy Easter. Well, thank you. It's so fun to, I usually just wear, you know, jeans and a shirt, but I was like, let me put on a dress for Easter Sunday. And I did, and I got my wedges on. Yeah, yeah, you all look great. Uh, if you're joining us from home, I hope you are comfortable. And we are so glad that we have technology that lets us all come together. If you're visiting with us today, so glad that you're here. For those of us who are members, just a reminder that um, giving is a part of um, an act of worship for us as members of Murray Hill Church. So if you're here today, we have baskets on either side and in the back. You can also give online at give.murrayhill.church. You can text to give. You can mail in your giving. Your giving helps us fuel the mission of Murray Hill Church and to continue loving and supporting our community, not just inside the walls, but outside of them. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't have too many announcements. Actually, that's the only one. I don't have any announcements. We're going to continue worshiping. Um, but before we do, just wanted to read a little poem. Um, it's called For an Easter Sunday. When Friday brings death, no one expects hope on a Sunday. The earth goes dark. Despair sets in, the deafening silence of Saturday. But as it always has, the sun breaks upon the horizon. And as he said he would, the sun also rises. Orange and yellow hues of morning, a new dawn for all humanity. Great is his faithfulness, our Redeemer and King. His mercies are new every morning. What's left to do but rejoice, to sing, to dance, to praise the God who defeated death and darkness, an unrelenting light, an everlasting hope, an undeserved loving kindness. Hallelujah, 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 amen. They looked at him and saw a simple man, a carpenter with healing in his hands. They saw him calm the sea and heal a dying man. They saw, but could they really understand? They really understand they could not. They listened to the teaching that 
they heard. They wondered at the mystery of his word. They wondered what he meant about a father's plan. They heard, but could they really understand they could not they could not though they tried they could not they listened to this teaching about a father's plan but could they really understand? They could not. So finally, upon a rugged cross, they killed the man who would not suffer loss. And when at last they took what willingly he gave, he died. But could they keep him in the grave? They could not. they keep him in the grave? Could they keep him in the grave? Could they keep him in the grave? They could not. They could not. worshiping this morning think through what what Gary just sang this was all the father's plan and Jesus did it willingly let's stand and sing
thank you so much for your resurrection because God we think about a cross but without an empty tomb without an empty tomb it would have been meaningless it would have been another senseless act of violence but God we thank you that you were above all of that and that you have come to rescue us not just from our sin but just from ourselves and everything going on, Lord, you want to make us more like you. And so I pray that you would help us to live in your resurrection and that you would resurrect our spirits the same way. Lord, we pray this time now that you would receive all honor and glory.
Father, as we come before you today, we acknowledge the fact there is nothing better than you. And Father, we come before you today and, and just praise you that the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. We thank you that we have this opportunity to live on this earth and represent you as your children. Father, we're so grateful for the sacrifice that was made, but unbelievably overjoyed that our King conquered death. Now, Father, I pray that as we look at the Scripture today that you give us wisdom and clarity and insight, and I pray that your Spirit would guide us and open our hearts and our minds to you, and the day would be transformational for us. And it's in that wonderful and precious name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Please be seated. So I want to start by saying I am amazingly excited that there are actually people in the room this Easter. <laughs> last Easter, <laughs> last Easter it was the, the, worship, the worship team and me and a few people in the back looking at, us, looking at a camera. And I think at that point it was still an iPhone. <laughs> and, uh, and so we've, we've transitioned all of that to, to uh, much better stuff. But uh, it, is, it is good to see a light at the end of the tunnel, as it were. And it's been a, it's been a crazy 13-month run, and I'm, uh, we're getting close. I really believe that. And, uh, and by the way, just as a side note, I know that historically I'm not a hugger, but I'm fully vaccinated, and I'm good to go. And if you are just dying to have a hug for me, I'm available today, okay? So I know that's, you know, and Donnie George said the same thing about himself, so. <laughs> Sorry, man, couldn't resist. All right, so uh, we, are, we are talking, obviously, about the resurrection today, but I'm going to go probably a little different direction than you might have thought. So we're going to be looking in Luke chapter 24. And just, we need to know the background and understand what's going on here, because it's really uh, very significant in this. So the people that have followed Jesus, they were, they were following him, and they had given everything to them. Actually, Peter said that, if you look in Luke 18. He said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And, and for three years, they left everything to follow him, and they invested their lives in him, and excuse the Easter pun, but they put all of their eggs in the Jesus basket, Right? And, and so they were, they were just building their lives around him and following him and, and, and thinking, man, this guy's the answer. And they were expecting him to start a kingdom on earth. And then all of a sudden he gets arrested. He goes on trial and shockingly to them, he is crucified and killed. And all of a sudden they see their dreams just explode and there's, there's no more hope. I, I don't know if you've ever spent a, a year or more time period pursuing a dream that didn't happen. Man, that's just devastating. 
They built their world around him and this dream, and all of a sudden it's gone, and he was placed in a tomb, and I'm sure that moment when the stone was rolled over the, the, the tomb, it would have been, oh, no. It's done. So they, they buried him on Friday, and then, of course, Friday sunset to Saturday sunset was the Sabbath, and so they couldn't do anything to, as far as anointing the body and that sort of thing. So they waited till Sunday morning, and Sunday morning they get up, and that's where the story picks up for us. And, and please keep in mind the shock that they have been through is Jesus is dead, right? So Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. If you're in the room using our pew Bibles, it's page 1060. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So we, we look at this story, and it's... If you're familiar with the resurrection stories, it's, it's probably one that you have, have read before. But, but, but I want to point out something different, and I think something that's very important for us at this time in history for us. And it was something that the angel said. And the angel said, if you go back and look with me, and, and so again, before I get there, imagine these women, they come to the tomb, they walk in, the body's not there. And their minds are racing have to be racing. Did we come to the wrong place? Somebody take it? What's going on? And then all of a sudden, angels show up, and they fall down on their faces, terrified. I've never met an angel face-to-face, -face, other than the one I live with. I've never met an angel face-to-face. But, but I, I am sure that that would have been a terrifying moment. Afraid. And the angel said this. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. And here's what I want you to see in this part. This is a big deal. The words of Jesus are trustworthy. The words of Jesus are trustworthy. 
If you go back in Luke, and you can see it in John as well, and very clearly, Jesus declared everything that was going to happen to him before it happened. He made a very he just detailed case of this is what's going to take place, and I want you to see so that when it happens, you know that I knew it was coming. And he said, remember, ladies, when he told you in Galilee, this is exactly what was going to take place. And he made it clear. He left no doubt. This is the direction this is going. And I think one of the things that we have to understand about Jesus of Nazareth is that his words are trustworthy. We live in a time when people are desperately trying to find something wrong with the Christian message. And part of the problem is us Christians. Let's just be honest. And we we look and we say things and we practice things that are contrary to the founder of our faith completely. And people look at us and they say, well, the people in the church are a bunch of hypocrites. Well, let me let you in on just a little secret. They're right. Because there is not one follower of Jesus on the planet that follows Jesus perfectly. Not one. And I want you to hear me say that because so many people are looking for a reason not to believe, but, but understand and hear this, that the words of Jesus are trustworthy. There's so many people's words who are not. When uh, we were, it's been decades ago, uh, we were living in Texas and it was time to buy a new car. So what we did, it's very different than now. Now you get on the internet and you compare prices and you, know, you text people, you chat with folks. Back then you went and bought a Saturday paper, right? Because there would be pages and pages and pages of car ads in the Saturday paper. And so every Saturday we'd get the paper, we'd go through, and this particular Saturday we found a car that was one that we liked in our price range. So then I did something that you don't do today, is I picked up the landline phone and made a long-distance call. Okay, for those of you who don't know, there was a time when you called outside of your area code that you paid extra money for that. So you didn't make many long-distance calls. With our cell phones, you can call Seattle right now. won't cost you an extra cent at all. But back then, if it was just one area code away, you had to pay for it. So I got on the phone, because we lived about an hour and 45 minutes away from this dealership, because we lived out in a small town, and I called the guy, and I said, all right, I want to talk to you about this car. First of all, is it still there? He said, yeah, it's still here. And the price you have in the paper is the price you're going to charge. That's it. I said, okay, I'm going to ask you again, is the car there? And is the price you're charging the one you're going to charge me because I'm getting ready to get in a car with my wife and a little kid who's not going to be happy about this hour and 45-minute drive? So before we make it, I need your word that this is true. I said, come and see it. We got in the car. We got there. We met the salesman. They had sold the car the day before. And that's only half the story. I won't tell you the rest of it because it gets even worse after that. But, but... Here's what I want to say, is that at that moment, all car salesmen were horrible people on the face of the planet. I know that's not true intellectually, but at that moment, they all were. Because this one really misrepresented all of them. And I'm not a violent person, but I was really close that day. 
But you see, what happens is, as we look at the actions of one person, of one pastor, of one church, of one individual who claims to love Christ, and we look at the whole system and say, it's a farce. But here's what I want to tell you. The words of Jesus are trustworthy. There's some things that he said that I think are very important for us to hear. Did you know that Jesus promised that you could have complete joy? Do you know how many people spend their lives trying to find joy and they can't ever find it? Jesus said, if you follow me, you can have complete joy. I wish I could stand before you and said I experience complete joy every day, but I have experienced it and it's amazing. It's amazing. Jesus also promised that you can have a perfect peace. You ever look for perfect peace in your life? I just want to tell you, if you chase after perfect peace, you're never going to find it. You chase after Jesus, it'll show up. Jesus also promised that if you chase after me, you're going to have some hard times because of it. And guess what? It's true. But his words are trustworthy. I remember we were at another church. I think it may have been the same church where the car thing happened. There was somebody in the church that was just an absolutely miserable person. And they had determined they were going to make everybody else miserable too. And so whatever happened in the church, whatever the church decided, this person was always against it, always in my office telling me how horrible it was, how bad I was, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that happened all the time. And I just, I'll just be honest, I did not like this person at all. Well, one day I was going through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and I came across the passage where Jesus said, you have heard that it was said that you should love your friends and hate your enemies, but I tell you you should love your enemies too and pray for those who persecute you. I was like, what? Surely he's just joking. (laughs) Has he met the person I'm dealing with? I mean, have he really interacted with this individual, God? I said, but you know what? I trust your words, so I'm going to try. I began to pray, and the prayer began with, Lord, I'm really not interested in liking this person. I'm really not interested in loving this person, so please give me a desire to do that. And I began to pray for this person every day. And every day, it was a part of my routine. I would stop, and I would, no matter what this person did, I would stop, and I would pray for this person well, about three months into it, this person ended up in the hospital. And I went to see this person in the hospital. I walked into their room, and something amazing happened. My heart was filled with compassion for the person. I was like, where did that come from? This person's been nothing but horrible to me. But I'm concerned about them. And I found over time that I began to not only liked this person, but I did love them, and I was concerned about them. Well, we eventually left that place, and I'd call back and talk to people and found out that person hadn't changed at all. Never stopped being the horrible person that they were. Something happened in me. I tell you that story not because I'm a great person, because I'm not. I tell you that story is because the words of Jesus are true. They are transformational. The angel said, look, ladies, He told you what was going to happen. You just need to believe that. 
So I, I want to tell you, first of all, if, if you're on this journey of life and you are on a faith journey looking for truth, I, I want to make it very clear, no matter what followers of Jesus have done to you in your life or you've seen them do, the words of Jesus are trustworthy. He's the one we want to point you to, not us. Because we're going to mess up. But his words are perfect. Well, there's a second part of this, and it's really just one word that fascinated me. Verse 9, when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others who with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Now there's history involved in that. A Jewish woman could not be a witness in a court of law because their testimony would not be acceptable. Not saying it's right, but saying it was. And so the guys are sitting around. The ladies show up and say, hey, we went to the tomb. We interacted with the angels. This is what they said. And I can just see them going, they've lost it. Because they thought it was nonsense. Right? I just want to tell you real quick, in the Greek, the word nonsense means a message that is simply incoherent and unintelligible. They heard their message and thought they were crazy. Because you ladies have lost your minds. It wasn't just one of them, there was a group of them. You ladies have lost your minds. This can't be true. Your message is incoherent. Because dead men don't come back to life. We know that. Dead men don't come back to life. Now, Peter did run down to check it out, the story. And it's always interesting to me how John told a little different story than Peter. All right? Peter had died, so John wrote his own gospel. And he told the story and said, Peter's not telling you the whole story. He and I both ran down there. And three times in the same passage, he says, I beat him. He makes it clear. I outran the old man. It wasn't even close. Such a man, right? So Peter goes down, maybe some possibility they're telling the truth, but, but it was nonsense. So for those that don't know, if you're new and, and uh, haven't been around or you're watching for the first time online, um, I do teach world religions uh, as an adjunct at Florida State College just down the street. And I get a lot of interesting questions. A lot of interesting interactions. One semester, I had a young lady come to me, and she asked this question. She said, how can you possibly believe in the resurrection of Jesus? I said, yeah, it sounds pretty out there, doesn't it? Here's the thing. When I think about the resurrection of Jesus, there's some things that I know. First of all, I know there's an empty tomb. I know that not just from the biblical stories, I know from the extra biblical material, there is an empty tomb. I mean, that's confirmed. It's, it's, if you look at the extra biblical material, it is, there is no doubt there's an empty tomb. Jesus was placed in a tomb, and that tomb is empty. Now, the question is why is it empty? Why is that tomb empty? And I've come to the conclusion that there's four possible answers. Okay? The first answer 
is that the women were directionally incapable and they went to the wrong tomb. It's a possibility that they went to the wrong tomb. I said that the problem, though, with that is this. It wasn't long after this that the, the Jewish leaders wanted to destroy Christianity. And if they wanted just to end it, they could have told everybody, hey, come follow us. Here's the right tomb. Let's roll away the stone and you can see the body. Stop this nonsense. They didn't do that. I don't think it's the wrong tomb. So now, one that's probably a little more probable but unlikely is that his disciples stole the body. That somehow they mustered up the courage, even though they were cowards just a few hours earlier. They went in, they overtook the Roman guard, rolled the stone away, took the body and hid it so nobody could find it. Plausible. I said, except for this thing that just gets me about that. I said, at some point, when the Jewish leaders were starting to kill the Christians, they would have had to sit together and decide, you know what? I'm so committed to this thing that I know is not true that I'm willing to die for it. Let's all agree, we'll die for this lie together. Now, now people die for lies all the time, but they don't know their lies. You see the difference? If they stole the body and they knew they stole the body and the body had been hidden, why would you die for it? I think there'd come a point when people would say, you know what, it was a good joke, let's move on. Well, the third possibility is what Muhammad taught. And the Muslims believe to this day that on the cross, Jesus didn't really die, that he went into a meditative state and was placed in the tomb, being wrapped up, but the coolness of the tomb uh, made him wake up and he just walked out. He pushed the stone away and walked out. Well, the problem is the loss of blood that he would have had to be able to push that stone away would have been impossible. But then Luke, a little later, or a little earlier, talks about how they stuck a spear in his side and hit his heart. And Luke, a doctor, said blood and water came out separated. Basically meaning Jesus' heart exploded. Said, so maybe, but that's really hard for me. I said, and then there's the fourth option. And this is the one you're not going to like. Something supernatural happened. Something supernatural took place. And I told that young lady, I said, I want you to know that down to the deep of the core of my being, I know that something supernatural happened. I know it doesn't make sense, dead men don't come back to life, but God did something supernatural that day. And there are those of us who are sold out committed and believe in this nonsense. Because it's the truth. So I want to show you a quick video today. And the video is... Uh, a video, if you were to take current reality and put it into the resurrection of Jesus, to kind of get the idea and the feeling of what it was like that first Easter morning.
This is what they felt like when it happened. And today, it's how we should feel too. Because what it meant for them, it means for us. So here's the thing. If you come to the conclusion that something supernatural happened, You really ought to build your life around Jesus. If something supernatural took place and Jesus conquered death, then he ought to be the center of your world every single day. That's not my intention to offend anyone, but it shouldn't be something we celebrate one day in the spring. It should be something we celebrate Monday through Sunday every single week because if he's alive if it really happened then we should build our world around him and here's my promise though it may bring struggles if you do it's worth it every step of the way let's pray Father, I thank you that King Jesus won. I thank you that no stone could keep him in the grave. I thank you that death couldn't keep him in the grave. I thank you that his victory is our victory. And Lord, we come this day, we acknowledge an empty tomb and acknowledge that something supernatural took place. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that the resurrection has not yet affected them to the point that they have given their lives to you, I pray that today they would do that. I pray that you would draw them to yourself. I pray that you would transform their lives, that you would become the center of their worldview and their lives. We thank you that Jesus did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And it's in that wonderful power powerful and beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I want to tell you quickly that this whole story of Jesus, the, the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection, the ascension, and the one-day return, it's a story that's all about us. 
It's a story where God looked at humanity and he saw our sinfulness. He saw the reality that we were separated from him. And, and no matter what we did, we couldn't fix it. No matter how good we tried to be, we couldn't make it right. So he sent Jesus to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And he calls us to throw ourselves on his mercy, to find forgiveness and to find new life and eventually eternal life. And so today, if you're here and you've never asked Jesus into your life, we want to invite you to do that. If you know today that, that God is, is leading you to this point, that I have to do this, please respond today. In a minute, we're going to sing, and as we sing, if you're in the room and would like to talk about that and what it means, I invite you to walk through these doors to the Welcome Center. Let's talk about faith and what it looks like. If you're online, you can text, you can email. There will be people waiting to respond to you. Same thing, if you know that God is doing this and drawing you to himself, say yes to him. Say yes. Or maybe you're here or watching online and you have questions, questions about religion or the Bible or Jesus or this whole story. I want to assure you, your questions are welcome here. Do not be afraid to ask. We don't have all the answers, but we do have some. And I promise you will not be judged in a negative way by your questions. Please ask. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're watching and you're already a follower of Jesus and God has put it on your heart that you need to be officially part of this community of faith. We invite you to take steps towards that. If you're here and come by the Welcome Center when we're done, let's talk about that and what it means. Online, same thing, you can text or email. And we'll talk you through that process. Maybe today, You've been reminded that Jesus really is the most important thing in the world. And you need to build your life around him. Pray asking for the ability and the strength to make that a reality. You respond as you feel that today as we stand and worship together. Oh 
stone was rolled away, His perfect love could not be overcome. Now death, where is your sting? Our resurrected King has rendered you defeated. We sing. 
Murray Hill, he is risen. Let's go and live our life fully aware of that fact, loving our Lord and loving others. Have a wonderful Easter. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, that worked. That one, uh, that one seemed to get traction.